Hello everyone, my name is Thetis and I am a member of the media team of Dramso International Session of the European Youth Parliament. Welcome to another episode of Sounds of Tromso, brought to you by the media team of the session. We are coming to you with a second podcast episode with one of the most experienced and competent people that are currently active in EYP, but also one of my closest friends. She's currently an event safe person at this session, which is why it felt only natural to have a discussion with her about welfare and safety in EYP, as well as how the power dynamics shape welfare and safety. I am very happy to be here with Anastasia Zhushkova from UAP Spain. Welcome to our podcast, Anastasia. To start with, it makes sense to only ask you how you're feeling. Um, how has your experience been at the session so far? Well, hello. It's super nice to be here on the podcast. Thank and you for being here. Yeah. Um, I mean, so far it's been great, to be honest. The session is great. The participants are, are having a great time. Everything's going really smoothly. Um, personally, I've also been having a good time. Obviously, I guess that maybe I've underestimated a bit the intensity or like the workload that I would have as an ESP, if I'm completely honest. Um, but yeah, it has been still very nice because we are a team of four people that can support each other. So it is, yeah, overall, it has been very good. Yeah, it's great to hear that it's been good so far, but it's also interesting to hear that it's been intense. And I would love to dive into that more later. But to start with, I would love to hear um, what welfare is to you and how you perceive it now in contrast to maybe when you started UAP. What has changed? I mean, I think that welfare is such an important thing in UAP, especially in long events like Tromsoyes. Like in the end, it's 10 days for officials and I think eight days for delegates if you're away from home in a completely random setting that with people that you don't know, um, you're experiencing new things, you're out of your comfort zone. It's so many things. So it's so vital, you know, to take care of yourself and take care of the people around you in order to maintain your sanity at the end of the day. Uh, while you're going through this experience. Um, and as for how it changed since I started, I think that it has changed so, so massively. Um, back in the day when I started, like five years ago, when I was a delegate, there was no such thing as an ESP. There was no such thing as the welfare policies. It was just kind of like everyone was free flying, trying to stay alive. I remember the motto back in the day in UAP Spain was, you know, if nobody dies, then we're happy. <laughs> and I feel like the status quo has kind of changed a bit nowadays. Nowadays, I feel like it's more of a, if everyone has fun, then we did a good job. Not just, you know, everyone survived. It's not that vibe anymore, which is very nice. Um, and I think that we've come a long way, honestly, since then. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Having started DYP in 2016, I've also seen a huge, huge improvement in welfare. I mean, I don't think anything was being done back then almost. So it's great that we're now like placing so much value to it. Uh, but there's definitely still some room for improvement, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts about this? Um, do you think we're at a good standpoint regarding welfare? I mean, of course, there's more to be done. But um, how, how do you see it now? Like, do you think that we have a long way to go? Um, yeah, I would love you to hear your thoughts about this. I think that, as I said, like welfare has come a long way in UAP in the past few years. I think that it has been very interesting to see it go from this like abstract idea that we had of like, you know, when it was first being built that, oh, you know, it might be nice to ensure that people are actually having a good time and taking care of themselves to actually it now becoming something that's very institutionalized in UAP. And there's a whole support system behind it and a welfare system um, behind it that ensures this. 
And I think that, yeah, as you said, there's still a long way to go. Obviously, it's not perfect. I think that we're learning every session what can be done better. And this exchange of practices has kind of been going on for the past years. But I still think it's a relatively new thing. Like it's been only what, like four and a half years, four years since the first event safe person ever happened in, a, in an event. And then between that, we also had the pandemic. So there wasn't like welfare in digital sessions were also a completely different thing. And then coming back to physical sessions has also been a whole thing. And uh, the way people interact and the way people are social with each other has also changed because of the pandemic. So I definitely think we're still learning, we're still growing and there's room to grow. But I think we are at a very good place in the sense that we're trying and we are a lot better now than we were perhaps even like a year ago or two years ago. Yeah. yeah, no, that's super interesting to hear. And even comparing to the previous international session that we were at together, I mean, Gotrek, there were so many lessons to draw from there. And it's interesting to see that they're already being applied, showing that, you know, this exchange of knowledge keeps on happening and improving our events constantly. Um, so that's quite hopeful, in my opinion. Um, but do you think, um, I really want to ask you, like, how do you, how are you experiencing your role as an ESP? And do you think that all session participants are kind of benefiting from these structures that we have in place for welfare? Um, meaning that do you as an ESP feel, feel like you, I don't know, are being protected enough with regards to that? I mean, to answer your second question about how it benefits participants, I think that um it for sure brings so many benefits and it's so beneficial to have that support network there because as much as obviously i think that the misconception some people might have is that oh by in, like implementing this welfare policies and this welfare system we intend to eradicate any crises any bad experiences anything any conflict or whatever and that's not the case like that will happen naturally this is a very stressful environment this is a lot of days as I said, a lot of new experiences, it's natural for people to feel stressed and to need assistance in navigating these times. And therefore, I feel like it's super beneficial to have those few people at the session who you can come to, who you can talk to, who can be there for you, who can help you in in the moment when you're feeling stressed and don't know what to do. Because these people are just there for that. Like they don't have any other responsibility going on. They don't have anything else going on around them. They're solely there to ensure that whatever situation arises is resolved as swiftly and efficiently as possible. So I think the benefits of that are infinite at the mm -hmm. end of the day. As for how the ESPs experience this, I guess, um, I think being an ESP is not an easy role. It's not something that any person could do. And I also think that it's something that's very personal to every person. I think we were discussing this in the team the other day, actually, with the other ESPs. I think the way you behave as an ESP is a big reflection of your personality in a way, uh, just because there's no right or wrong way to advise people. There's no right or wrong way to approach crises. Everyone has their own style of approaching these things. And at the end of the day, it's also beneficial to have a team of people doing this because one's approach can sometimes not be ideal, but then the other one can also help out if need be. And we can contrast approaches also, and it's super beneficial again. Um, it's, as I said, not the easiest. And there are times where it does feel like a huge responsibility. And I don't want to say a burden because it's definitely not a burden, but it is a responsibility that can be heavy on people's shoulders. And I definitely think that it's 
what's definitely not possible is for there to only be one ESP for Zambold and IS because that's just unbearable of a responsibility to carry. Sharing it with three to four more people, I think it's the ideal. And like this, when you are also feeling like it's getting too much, you can always go to them to share what has been shared with you. Because in the, in, at the end of the day, you're carrying other people's burdens and other people's secrets. Because obviously everything that's shared with us is completely confidential. But you can share it with the people in the team. So that's super nice. Mm. No, it's definitely super important to have other people to share this huge responsibility with. Uh, but going back to your previous point about how each ESP approaches the role differently based on their personality, uh, do you have anything to share on how you approach the role? Meaning that many times in other sessions, I've heard ESPs be like, oh, um, you can approach me only if you, for example, have a medical crisis or um, a very serious crisis. Uh, but I've heard other ESPs, for example, at this session state that, oh, if you even want to have a chat during the break, then definitely approach me. Um, what is your personal um, opinion on this? What's your ESPing style? Um, I feel like I'm more on the laid back side in the sense that I don't really like, I'm not a fan of people going around constantly asking you, how are you doing? Are you okay? How are you doing? Are you okay? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that also creates a culture of, oh, you know, you expect people to be not okay. Um, and sometimes it does create the feeling in people that, oh, maybe I should not be okay. Maybe I should be talking to the ESPs. And that's not the vibe that I want to create. Like, in my opinion, I'm there as a, again, support resource, but I'm not there to kind of prevent anything from happening. I'm there to help if people need my help and I'm happy to help, obviously, but I definitely don't seek and I don't go after people like, asking how their day went or how whatever went because I also don't feel like that's our job completely like it's more resolving things that cannot be resolved otherwise I feel like and the way I see it also is for example I don't usually tell people what to do when they encounter a crisis I just talk them through it in a way so just like I would with my friends so to say like if they approach me and they're like hey so this happened usually I'm like oh and how do you think why did this happen? Like, what do you think can be done about this? And it's kind of like a more of a coaching style, I guess, than a patronizing style of approaching things. But yeah, I don't know. I guess the way I approach it is in the end, like, I feel like I'm there to be that friend for you when you're in a bad situation. I'm not there to be like your teacher or your mom and solve it for you. I'm here to solve it with you, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a great way to also make people feel like they can really trust you and not feel like, oh, you're a superior person who has the answers and is basically um, enforcing something on them. I think that's a great way for participants to feel safe to talk to you and heard with you uh, without feeling judged. Yeah, but I also wanted to ask you in general, what are things that can still be improved with regards to welfare? Like, do you have any general points in mind that you feel like are still overlooked? I don't think it's what I said before of like, I don't think we should create this culture of, you know, people having to use the ESPs, which I think has been happening a little bit of like people abusing the ESP role a bit into using them as personal therapists even and deciding to work on themselves during OP sessions where I'm like, well, I, I don't think it's the most ideal environment to do so. Um, so I definitely think um, 
now that we've kind of succeeded in making the ESP role visible, and I think it's very also noticeable at this session where people actually approach us for many instances, now it's also about perfecting what is the ESP role and what boundaries do we set as these people who are eventive persons and what we agree to help out in and what we delegate or what we decide is not our responsibility to do so because at the end of the day sometimes people approach you with things like that go way beyond the session that are rooted in trauma in family issues in friendship issues that transcend the session at the end of the day you cannot realistically intend to resolve that in nine days at an international session as much as you can be there and support them in that if it's affecting them during the session, you really cannot be a therapist for them because you're also not licensed to do so. And I think that's something that we're still learning about and something that people still have misconceptions on and something that I don't know whether it should be regulated or not, but definitely something that should be talked about within the ESP community and the safety community in UAP. No, definitely. I think that's a super important point that we're not really, you're not really a licensed therapist in any way. And that's not even what your role ent entails at the end of the day is ESPs. Um, so um, I've also seen sessions, for example, in Greece, where they did have a licensed therapist at the session. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought it was a very, very interesting practice because uh, there are issues that really you can't as an ESP, um, as a med student or generally uh, a young volunteer know how to address. Um, I think that's definitely like that's something that I also saw in UAP Greece when I went there to one of their forum in 2021. They had also not only a licensed psychologist, but also a doctor or mm -hmm. something like that. I think that although it's probably not realistic and not possible to have that at every session, definitely helps so much to have that in bigger events, especially if it's not a fully trained doctor, at least someone who's mildly or somehow medically trained. So either a med student or, you know, someone who works in the healthcare sector to be on the team, because at the end of the day, some of the main, like main, things that people have been coming to us with have been medical emergencies and um, getting a training on this also at the beginning of C CMT, CMO has been so helpful also to all of the officials and especially I think to the ESP team. But yeah, I think that that's the kind of experience that also needs to be involved more in safe teams in the future perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so kind of uh, deviating from the um, a discussion on welfare generally, but uh, making it a bit more specific, I wanted to now talk about power dynamics in UAP. I think it's a super interesting concept because while welfare has been overlooked, um, I feel like power dynamics has always been a huge discussion in UAP ever since I joined at least. Yes. Um, so in UAP, we have certain rules that prevent participants from engaging in any kind of romantic or intimate relation with any participant superior to them. Um, for example, the golden rule where delegates and, of and um, officials cannot engage with each other in such a way, or the silver rule that prohibits relations uh, between officials and the person evaluating them. So what is your opinion on these rules? Like, do you think they're important for participant welfare? I think they're super important. I think that power dynamics, as you said, is something that has been discussed for a long time, but because it has been very relevant. And time and time again, we have seen cases of there are being breaches in this rules that you just mentioned and how it has affected the people that were affected by it. And it has never been a pleasant experience because in, at the end of the day, you like they're there for a reason. And 
the reason, like, I mean, power dynamics as a whole, um, as your listener may know, is that you, if someone is in a position of power over you, you tend to idealize them. You tend to be more open to whatever they're saying. You tend to be more open to whatever they're doing, which can lead to situations where you might consent to things that you wouldn't consent to if that power dynamic was not there. And that's why in order to protect people from these situations, these rules have been in place. And I think that has been very beneficial and has definitely, I think, saved more than one person from experiencing these not so pleasant things. So um, on uh, such rules that prevent relations among uh, certain session participants, do you see them being taken seriously at events? Uh, because uh, personally, I have seen many times uh, pre-existing relations being um, in place among session participants that are technically not allowed to engage with each other, but they do because obviously it is um, a natural thing when you're already in a relationship with someone. Um, do you think that that um, is associated with challenges that we need to navigate through during the events? Or do you see it as something that's natural? I mean, I feel like to answer the first question about it being taken seriously, I feel like, again, just like with the welfare policies and welfare overall, it has been something that has there has been a huge progress on throughout the years I've been here even. Um, sort of with the consequences that come with it when you do break these rules. Because before, sort of, I feel like when it just started, people could break these rules and there would be no consequences. And it would be like, oh, you know, this happens, but, and it's not very nice, but oh well. And now it's like, you know, you could actually get kicked out of of the session, and not of UIP, but of the session. And um, for it to have consequences on your reputation in UIP. And it's actually now sort of become a lot less accepted also by the members which also makes it yes sorry oh no i also wanted to ask you like because i don't i i think that we've both seen that like especially within official steam it's not really taking seriously anymore um as much so i do think that that is a controversial thing that you just said um yeah. like i don't think that it's necessarily widely accepted that um of that relationships among officials occurring during the event um you know but i think it's very different between for example the golden rule and the silver rule i feel like what i said before relates more to like the golden rule and how now it is seen as very messed up to have something with a delegate whereas before it was a lot more normalized because it was it was like oh you know they're 18 i'm 19 why not Whereas now it's like you can clearly see that, yeah, they may be a team, but you have like, I don't know, 20 sessions in the bag over them. So you have experienced a lot more things. And therefore, even though there's a year of age between you, you also have a lot more power over them. So I think like the golden rule has definitely become like a thing that many people see as, oh, you know, this is very much the golden rule. Whereas it's true that the silver rule, like just by the fact that it's the name, implies that it's less important than the golden rule because it's a silver rule mm -hmm. already of course invites to it being breached more often but again i also feel like the power dynamic that exists between officials is less in dimension than the one between officials and delegates but still my personal opinion is that it's still quite messed up um i still feel like Even though you may be super friends with someone and there may be a pre-existing sympathy towards them that wasn't because of their position of power, I definitely think that the position of power can consolidate feelings that you might not have developed if it weren't for that position of power. And that, that does happen very often in UIP still to this day. And I do think that, yeah, I agree that 
that definitely needs a lot of more working on and I like I personally think that it depends a lot obviously on also a case-by-case basis like there's things that and there's instances where I was like oh you know this doesn't seem messed up to me because these people were friends a long time before they become they became VP and chair together but then there's other instances where you know it's I've met you for the first time you're my VP and we have a relationship together that's that seems weird to me personally but I do understand how there's people who don't see it that way also yeah of course it depends on how each person sees it but I would definitely be on the same page as you uh, in the sense that uh, even when you do consent to the start of a relationship with for example your vice president when you're a chairperson it doesn't mean that you're gonna be okay with everything happening after that and it could feel weird um you're definitely in a um, in an inferior position um, when you're being evaluated by the other person. Like, you're definitely not going to feel as comfortable enforcing your boundaries. I mean, boundaries are super important and they should be respected always, but I'm just, um, I don't know, putting myself in that position, I feel like I wouldn't feel as comfortable. No, definitely. And I also think another interesting thing is, like, you never know how this power dynamic will be extrapolated into your relationship outside of UIP because it's very different, I feel like, the way you behave at a session and the way you would behave in your daily life with your partner in a non-UAP environment. And that's something that a lot of people also don't take into account. And they have this image of a person, perhaps, that they've built based on UAP experiences. But then once they see them outside of that environment, that completely shifts and changes. And they see that perhaps what they consented to was not what they expected to sign up for, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Like, it's exactly the discussion on power dynamics, how, like... You know, it shapes the entire relationship in the end. And it's important to be aware of that from the start. Um, But yeah, kind of deviating from the discussion on uh, relationships among officials and the golden and silver rule. uh, Are there any other kinds of power dynamics that you think that we should be aware of within EYP? I think that definitely um, two or like one that comes to mind directly is experience in EYP, which... I want to relate to age, but I also think that's not always the case. But starting, for example, with the easier example of age, obviously an an official that's 25, let's say, has probably bagged 40 sessions by that point, whereas someone who's 17 not only has a lot less life experience, but also a lot less UAB experience, and therefore is a lot more prone to idealizing the, the other person who has that much experience behind them such a rich background and everything so definitely i think age is something that come to play here but obviously the ultimate thing is the experience that comes with it and i feel like also even between officials that are the same age sometimes officials that have more experience are also idealized by their peers of the same age because they are seen as oh you know they have been in leadership positions they have seen them you know girl boss their way through several sessions and that can be very you know it can impact your image of a person and it's completely normal and I feel like sometimes even it's not with malicious intent that someone takes advantage of this and like you know has their influence on someone and courses them into having something with them but rather that sometimes it happens accidentally that the person who has that experience isn't even aware that they're having this impact on other people they aren't aware that everything they say is taken as a as a rule, as a as the status quo, because you know you when you're I don't know I can guess I guess I can speak from experience like I 
at 21, I don't feel like I have power over anyone or that I my word means any more than anyone who's like my age or older. But you can see it sometimes how, you know, people listen to you more. People really take what you say seriously. People believe what you say. And that's something that if you're aware of it, um, I feel like you obviously won't maliciously make use of it. But a lot of people are not aware of it and accidentally then use it. And yeah, I don't know how to phrase it, but I think you get what I mean. No, it makes so much sense. I think that we've like discussed it so many times as well, like the two of us. And yeah, I think it's definitely an important thing to keep in mind. Something that's not as directly relevant, but I just thought of, uh, is something that we have also discussed mm -hmm. many times before. But um, do you feel like age sometimes gives you an advantage on uh, being respected more than someone that's younger than you when you have maybe even less skills than them? Um, and I feel like you have things to share <laughs> regarding yeah. this, if you feel no, comfortable doing that. Of course, 100%. Like, I mean, I feel like I have definitely like advanced in UAP I guess or like done a lot of sessions in a very short period of time giving me like the opportunity to occupy leadership roles and being in leadership roles for a while now at a very young age like again as I said I'm 21 just turned 21 in December so sometimes even having to I like I've led teams where people are five to six years older than me at times and have felt comfortable in doing so but I've definitely also experienced the side eye or <laughs> your occasional oh you're so young though like I didn't expect this from you or oh you're so mature for your age comments like that that make you understand that you know you were starting from a point like you had to prove yourself a lot more to gain respect like and I feel in that way ever since I've joined UAP like I've, I feel like I've had to prove myself in every role I've taken up because it was either, oh, you are the funny type who is not academically focused, so I had to prove that. Then it was, oh, you're so young, you're not experienced for this position, even though you had, you know, I have, I had more sessions than other peers of, in my team. Or, oh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's stuff like that that obviously I think has such a huge impact on people's perceptions of you. And it sucks, but I feel like it's not only because of you. It doesn't only happen in UAP. It's something that happens in real life, too. Like, whenever someone younger comes along to boss you around, people are like, oh, what's she going to say? Like, who is she? Who is she to tell me what to do? You know? But yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I have also definitely seen this so many times and have experienced it. And I mean, all I can say is that I've seen so many people that are younger be more competent than anyone I've seen before in UAP um, so yeah I hope that people will be able to kind of see through that more in the future um, yeah and not underestimate people based on factors that simply do not have an effect on their performance um, I think that there's also been like a huge change now with again the pandemic in the middle because I think a lot of people a lot of young people have gained a lot of session experience in a very short period of time because during the pandemic digital sessions like this there were people who were doing three sessions in a week and as much as it's not the same as physical sessions it still accounts for something and a lot of young people have now started occupying leadership positions in sessions and have countless times been underestimated for it and been bashed for it and like me myself even like 
when I vice presided my first physical IF, people were like, oh yeah, you know, she's vice presided several times, but half of those times were digital. And I was like, yeah, so what? You know, like I, I guess, I, again, like I had to prove myself, I feel like to, to show people that I could also do it physically or whatever in person. Yeah, it's something that I guess will fade away also with time as, you know, the pandemic stays more behind us, but still. Yeah, it's definitely something that I hear so many times and like I can't even lie. Like sometimes I also might think about it. For example, if someone comes to chair our large scale event with only digital experience, which, um, yeah, I mean, it's different roles. So I do have my concerns, but I would definitely never, you know, underestimate someone's skills just because they have attended digital events, digital events, because we also need to like, keep in mind that it's not just your EYP experience that shapes your competence. It's also you as a human being and your soft skills and all that. And I mean, I don't think that you can fully judge someone's level of expertise based on the, the amount of sessions they've done or the type of sessions they've done. Um, but yeah, I also wanted to kind of, as a last discussion point, mm-hmm. um, dive into something that, again, we've discussed mm-hmm. together many times. But I think it's so important. Like, do you think that gender plays a part in power dynamics? As I know that we have discussed it many times, how we feel like sometimes we're not being taken seriously enough yeah. because we're like women and in a sense, like kind of on the funnier side and on yeah. the more quirky side, dare I say. Yeah. Um yeah, in contrast to a man that maybe is funny, maybe gets less things done than us, but is kind of like the friendly type of leader. I mean, no, as you said, we've discussed it many times, but I feel like, again, like this is something that's engraved not only in UIP, but also in society overall, that women just have to, women, sorry, have to prove themselves so much more than men. Um, and it's what you said, like, it's frustrating when you see a man um, doing less, and you know focusing more on the social side and enjoying themselves and you know when they're seen as oh they're so iconic they just come to a session just make things happen and they're not judged for it it's like yeah they just they're he's such a funny king or whatever but then when we do it it's like oh she doesn't take things seriously oh you know she should be more focused oh you know she just jokes around all the time or how you're expected to be yeah you're just expected to perform a lot more than men are you you're held to such to much higher standards and i feel like yeah like in part obviously it is because we're women and yeah but i do want to believe that you know it's obviously not intentional ever but and rather something that reflects also in a way our society as a whole but it's definitely yeah something that is reflected in UIP very much so and that again we have discussed this for a reason because it has happened to us in the past where we have had we've worked a lot harder (laughs) than people that have worked with us and still were taken as oh you know they're just the silly two girlsies who just mess around even though you know we yeah 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 it's just it just feels unfair sometimes when you have done a lot of work and put a lot of effort into an event and then like also had like an impact on that event to not be accredited for that um in the end just because of your fun personality which at the end of the day is also usually appreciated by your teams so yeah 
it would just be nice to kind of exit that mindset. But as you said, it is a reflection of society. And uh, while we can't change it directly, I feel like it is becoming better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there is hope for the future. And it's definitely good that we acknowledge it and work against it. Definitely. I feel like a big part of it is people like, I don't want to like be like, oh, we're so amazing. But it is like... <laughs> <laughs> it is about like also in part people like us proving these preconceptions wrong and proving to people that you know you can be quirky and also get shit done can i say shit um get things done <laughs> um we can bleep it we can bleep 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 no but yeah uh so yeah just like this podcast proves <laughs> we can be quirky stupid funny but then yeah Here we are discussing serious issues. No, we really are. And um, I'm sure like we could talk about this topic a lot more. And maybe we will on our podcast wow. in the future. Um, but for now, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast episode. Thank you so much, Tassi, for being here. Thank you for um, having me. I will open up the space for you to share um, anything, any concluding remarks, um, any advice that you have to future ESPs and the people that are hearing you right now. Um, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, I think that, again, like as a final remark for welfare overall, as we said, we still have a long way to go. It's all about learning from our mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. And yeah, I'm hopeful for the future and I'm hopeful for what's to come. And I'm sure that we'll learn as much as from Tromso as we did from Kortrijk and that will make the next IS in Baku even better and then the next one even better welfare-wise. Um, and as for my advice to future ESPs, I guess um, it's a huge responsibility, but don't feel like you're alone and are supposed to carry this alone and that you're supposed to be okay with that. It's okay to also feel like it's too much. It's okay to also not be okay as an ESP, which is something that I think isn't allowed many times or is expected not to be allowed. Like, oh, you know, how are you going to take care of others' welfare if your own is not okay? Like, of course, it has an impact, but also, you know, I think the way you approach crises many times is because of how you approach them in your own life. And that's so valuable as an ESP. So if you're interested in helping people out, in making people feel good about themselves. If you're good at it in your own life, then chances are you're probably going to be good at it also as an ESP, even though you may feel like you're not. And imposter syndrome is very big also in ESPing because you might feel like, oh, who am I to tell people like what to do with their lives or how to approach certain situations? But you've been chosen probably for this role for a reason. So make use of it and make mistakes and it's okay. Learn from them and um, yeah. And I think you'll be amazing. Okay, so thank you, Stasi, for being here and for your insightful piece of advice. Um, it was great to hear more about your role, about welfare and about power dynamics in UAP. Um, uh, thank you also to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode and um, stay tuned for our next episode coming up really soon.